0: Okay, three, two, one, oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day, my name is Zach Schomler. this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 373, welcome in, uh, it is the latest I've ever recorded a show here in Hawaii, uh, I usually do it like midday, try to get it done before my neighbors get home, today, work went long, a little bit at the desk, trying to get stuff prepared, here we are, uh, we may or may not do Ask Zach. I'm going to play it by ear depending on how long the show is, how, my, how good I feel about what I have recorded when the time comes. Uh, let's say today, though, we're going to talk about quarterbacks whose careers were held back by being on a bad team. We're also going to talk about seven teams that I can guarantee are not going to win the Super Bowl. We're also going to discuss five quarterbacks that have limitations that I would not feel good if they were my favorite team starting quarterback. Now, thank goodness I do not have a favorite team. But there are people like Bears fans right now. How do you guys feel? I would not feel good. And then we will end the show talking about why the 49ers did the right thing. And I'll explain what that means down the road. Today, let's jump in first, though. It is nearly impossible to overcome dysfunction. I think people don't realize how much that having a bad coach or bad ownership or being part of a bad organization or having bad teammates, people don't understand how much that can bring you down. And even the best quarterbacks in the entire world, guys like Aaron Rodgers comes to mind. People have been saying for years, hey, Aaron needs better receivers. So if even Aaron Rodgers, the guy who won the NFL MVP last year, is a three-time MVP winner, if even Aaron needs help, What that really means is you can't do it alone at the quarterback position. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. Every single time he did that, he had some help. The Kansas City Chiefs are great. They have Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he's a fantastic quarterback. But even without Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City still would have a really good roster. But there are quarterbacks that, and the common phrase you hear about them, you hear this, He can't win the big game. You hear that often. This guy, you're that guy. He's just not capable of winning the big game, whatever that means. It's, It's massively overused. I hate that phrase. I mean, it may be true occasionally. Every once in a while, there is actually a guy who doesn't handle pressure very well, gets very, very nervous, gets stressed out. But the phrase that the guy that He can't win the big game. That gets overused way too much. It's massively overused. And so with quarterbacks, you have to ask the question, does the team around them help them or hurt them? So I want to talk about four quarterbacks whose careers have been hurt and held back by the teams they played for. Two are retired, two are not. Uh, Now, first let me say, there are certainly more than just four quarterbacks who have been held back by the team around them. I even considered putting Russell Wilson on this list. Now, that would have been silly. He won a Super Bowl, but I would even argue, imagine what could have been if the Seahawks had gotten Russell Wilson a good offensive line years ago. But again, he won a Super Bowl. So I do want to say, I want to put it out there. I'm curious. Once you hear my four guys, are there, please write in. Tell me if there are any more people who you want me to talk about who got held back by their team, we were like, hey, that guy got a rough deal. His career could have been so much greater had he been somewhere else. Now, the first guy I want to talk about is actually none other than Tony Romo. And uh, during Tony Romo's first year as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, his team made the playoffs. And in 2006, in the NFC wildcard round against Seattle, with a minute left, the Cowboys were kicking a field goal to take the lead. And Tony Romo fumbled the snap. It's a moment that has lived with Tony his entire life since that moment. His team lost. And for many people, it was because it was their first time watching him play. It was their first impression of Tony Romo. A lot of people that may not watch every single Dallas Cowboys game week to week were like, oh, playoff game, let's turn it on. There's not that many games going on during wildcard weekend. You watch the Cowboys game. That's the first time you ever saw Tony Romo play. And most people never forgot it. And most people never moved on. And so public perception of Tony Romo started in that moment. By the way, the question nobody ever does seem to ask is, why is your starting quarterback holding a field goal? I have no idea. I don't know why. To me, I would say he never should have been holding that field goal to begin with. So there never really should have been an opportunity for that to go badly. But from that moment on, the 2006 NFC wildcard game, Tony Romo fumbles the snap. Two things happened from that moment on. Number one, Tony Romo got way better. He had a phenomenal career. I thought, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the second thing that happened was the Cowboys got way worse. Their coach and the guy who built their team that year, Bill Parcells, left. And the Cowboys struggled mightily year after year after year. The only redeeming quality about the Cowboys during that era was in fact Tony Romo. And so people often criticize Tony for not being able to win big games, but what they failed to realize was, oh, no, 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 no. Tony was the only reason the game was close to begin with. And year after year, Dallas had bad offensive lines, bad defenses. Constantly, as they are still to this day, the Cowboys were overhyped. And when the Cowboys failed to win a ton, the guy who got blamed was Tony Romo and no one ever thought, Hmm, you know, instead of blaming the quarterback, what maybe just, just possibly could it be the team around the quarterback? I, I don't know. Cause it, again, I, I repeat this, man. We've seen time and time again, Aaron Rodgers needs help. Tom Brady needs help. Uh, Patrick Mahomes even needs help. So why would Tony Romo be any different? But instead of, Look at maybe the deficiencies around him. Everyone chose to blame Tony Romo. And what's really most sad is that the best team Tony ever played on came during his final year in the NFL. Remember, he got hurt, and Dak Prescott became the starting quarterback in Dallas. In fact, he lost his job to Dak Prescott because when Tony was healthy again, they said, nah, we're going on a playoff run. We had a good year we're going to stick with our rookie quarterback. And so they chose to bench Tony Romo. And on a team with Super Bowl potential, they played their rookie quarterback rather than their experienced, battle-tested veteran quarterback who'd been with them for years. And I want to put this out there because I truly believe this, and I will always believe this. In that year during their playoff run, Dallas should have played Tony Romo rather than Dak Prescott. I believe they missed out on a shot at a Super Bowl because they chose the wrong quarterback in that moment. Should Dak have been the guy moving forward? Yeah, probably. Tony got hurt every year. Tony was um, you know, aging, and Dak was the young, new hotshot guy. But the question is, did they sacrifice short-term, maybe even a Super Bowl victory, to keep good standing and good faith with Dak so he could be their guy long-term? I think so. Now, Tony's an amazing broadcaster now, but I still find it a bit sad. I look around, I look back at his career, and I go, I, I think he's still retired. I, let, me, let me rephrase it. I think he retired with a little bit still left in the tank. He, even though he's my favorite broadcaster of all time, he is a joy to watch during every single game and, and listen to. I, I still think Tony left a little bit on the table, and it's very sad the way things went down in Dallas. And it's sad the way he's remembered and not really given the respect that he's deserved, in my opinion. Now, quarterback number two is Carson Palmer. And uh, I have less to say here, but, but I would like to warn people, guys like Joe Burrow, guys like Trevor Lawrence, pay attention to the story I'm about to tell about Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer won a Heisman Trophy at USC. He was a number one overall pick, a phenomenal quarterback in college. And then he went to Cincinnati. And, and this is where things began to have problems. Because Carson was a Hall of Fame caliber player who wasted year after year after year on a terrible team with a terrible organization, the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, the Bengals have not won a playoff game in Over 30 years. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game was 1990, and they beat the Houston Oilers, a team that does not exist anymore. And Carson Palmer has been very open about how the Bengals' ownership was cheap. They would not go after free agents. They were not actually trying to win a Super Bowl. They just wanted to be good enough to sell tickets and stay profitable. Uh, That's a huge problem. I would not want to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. So Carson wasted the prime years of his career in Cincinnati. In fact, he had to threaten to retire in order to get the Bengals' ownership to trade him out of there. And it was sad because he went to the Raiders first, and it wasn't until after a while he went to the Arizona Cardinals. And unfortunately, he was past the prime of his career by the time he got to Arizona. He did lead them to an NFC championship game, but Carson Palmer wasted the best years of his career on a horrible horrible team. It's very sad. He was held back by the organization he played for. So I encourage you, do not be like Carson Palmer. Whether you're a football player, in finance, I I don't know what you do in your life, but do not waste the best years of your life with bad people that suck. That's all I can say. That's the lesson you can learn from Carson Palmer's career. Now, quarterback number three is actually Falcons quarterback, Matt Ryan. This is interesting. I'm sure it's a bit odd for some people. Uh, You know, he did go to a Super Bowl. But I would actually say that the fact that Matt Ryan went to a Super Bowl does actually, in fact, help my point when I point out that he's been held back by his organization. Because the one time Matt Ryan had a good coach, Kyle Shanahan, as his offensive coordinator, now the coach of the 49ers, and a good team, he had, you know, a great roster in Atlanta that year. The one time Matt Ryan had good coaching and a good team around him. He won the NFL MVP and he went to a Super Bowl. In fact, Matt Ryan even had the lead 28 to three in that Super Bowl. That's what Matt Ryan is capable of when he's given help. Now, the Falcons are bad right now, and that, in fact, still hurts the confidence people have in Matt Ryan. But I ask you this. In fact, ask yourself this. Look around the league. What if Matt Ryan was the quarterback of the New England Patriots right now? We would view the Patriots as Super Bowl contenders if they had Matt Ryan today right now. What about the Denver Broncos? What if the Denver Broncos had, and it wouldn't work financially, but imagine they had Matt Ryan. That's a Super Bowl contender. New Orleans, that's a Super Bowl contender. Maybe the 49ers, less so. The Miami Dolphins with Matt Ryan, that's a Super Bowl team. And so to me, that's proof enough to say, hey, if you take this guy out of the team he's on and put him in a different situation with better people around him, if we would all have confidence that, hey, Matt Ryan in Denver or Miami would win a Super Bowl, that tells me he's being held back by the team around him. That's enough evidence for me to believe Matt Ryan is held back by his organization. Now, the final quarterback on this list is one that excites me. Uh, this is a list of guys who have been held back by their organization. And I believe we will get proof after this year that Matthew Stafford is, in fact, one of those people. Matthew Stafford played for 12 years in Detroit, playing for the Detroit Lions. And I have heard countless times people say, oh, he can't win the big game, or all he does is pad his stats. And I would argue that, no, 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 Matthew Stafford is not the problem. The Detroit Lions are a dysfunctional mess. Did you know, and I'm sure you do, that the year before the Lions drafted Matthew Stafford, they went 0-16. That's where they were before Matthew Stafford. He joined that team. They were awful. Even good quarterbacks need help. Now, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback who has always been on a terrible, terrible team. Until now, that's the best part of the story. If you disagree, hey, no problem. Maybe you think Matthew Stafford is a bum. He's terrible. He's, he's awful. He's the reason why the Lions have been bad for years. I am sure there's a Lions fan in Detroit right now arguing that. But guess what? He got traded to LA, got traded to the Rams. So this year we're going to find out, hey, now he's on a team with a great defense, maybe the best in the NFL, a good coach, Sean McVay, good receivers, good offensive line. This year we're going to find out who's Right. I believe Matthew Stafford is going to be amazing this year, and people are finally going to realize just how much he was held back during his career by the Detroit Lions. So those are my four guys who, and I know there's more out there, four guys who were held back by terrible organizations during their career. Tony Romo, Carson Palmer, Matt Ryan, and in fact, Matthew Stafford. If you have more, feel free to write in, let me know. I would be happy to. I don't know if I'm going to do another topic about this, but I'm happy to consider this. And even if it's just for my own personal well-being, I hate to see, oh, yeah, you're right. That guy, maybe that guy. I still would argue Russell Wilson might have got held back during his career. Let me know if there's a guy that comes to mind for you who you think got held back during their career as an NFL quarterback. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we are going to talk about the seven teams that I can guarantee you. Will not win a Super Bowl in February 2022. Then later down the road, five quarterbacks that have big limitations. And at the end of the show, why the 49ers did the right thing, I will tell you what that means down the road. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, Let's jump in. This is a segment you could qualify by saying that we're talking some I'll be honest and pardon my French, but I, I like I, I'm kind of picking on the bottom of the NFL here because there are seven teams I can guarantee will not win a Super Bowl in February 2022. That is when the Super Bowl takes place for this year. And now there might be more teams. In fact, because only one team can win a Super Bowl, therefore, 31 teams are not going to win a Super Bowl. And if you're like, hey, there's other teams I can guarantee are not going to a Super Bowl, feel free. Write in, let me know what teams you feel like have no shot at winning a Super Bowl. There were other teams I considered for sure. But here are my seven teams I could confidently guarantee will not win a Super Bowl in February 2022. Team number one is the New York Jets. And I feel pretty good about where things are headed right now. In New York, I like their general manager. I like their new head coach, Robert Sala. I like their quarterback. In fact, I would say Zach Wilson, their rookie quarterback, is the best rookie quarterback in the entire NFL. Now, give it five years, I think Trey Lance might be challenging him. Trey Lance could be better five years from now. But right now, I like Zach Wilson. He's phenomenal. And I think the Jets are building something. But that's my point. The Jets are building something. They're in the process right now. It's year one with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback, And even though I feel good about the future of the Jets, this year is not their year. And to be clear, that's probably the most gentle I'm going to be with any team on this list, because team number two will go from the Jets to their former quarterback, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers. Carolina will not win a Super Bowl in February 2022. Now, this is another team I feel good about where they're headed. I like their owner. I love their head coach, Matt Rule. And I personally believe in their quarterback, Sam Darnold. He's a guy who is still unproven, though, because he's trying to resurrect his career. He started in New York, had a terrible beginning to his career. It was a horrible first couple years playing for the Jets. And for Carolina this year, their main focus is on developing their young players and trying to find out if Sam Darnold can be their franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. So for Carolina... Unfortunately, A Super Bowl is just not on the table. It's not even their focus right now. They have bigger things to worry about, which is building their roster, building their team, and finding out how good Sam Darnold is. Even though I have confidence in him, I can't guarantee he's going to be good. I'd like to see him do well. But the Carolina Panthers are not going to win a Super Bowl at the end of this year. Now, team number three, the Jacksonville Jaguars, will not win a Super Bowl at the end of this year. The Jaguars winning a Super Bowl is... (laughs) It's an absurd thought, to be honest. Uh, They have a rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who seems to be getting, my my fear is he's getting thrown to the wolves, just like let, put out to be miserable and have a horrible time. And their head coach, Urban Meyer, is a guy who has done well coaching in college, but he's never coached in the NFL. And I'm not confident that Urban Meyer is actually the right guy to turn around the Jacksonville Jaguars, let alone win a Super Bowl. I'm like, is this guy even going to work? Super Bowl is off the table. It's not even near anyone's thought. And so the Jaguars have no chance this year. Their main focus needs to be on making sure that Trevor Lawrence doesn't get killed behind their horrible offensive line. And so the Jaguars are not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Team number four. This will be fun. This will generate the most hate. I have no doubt. The Eagles will not win a Super Bowl this year. It's just not going to happen. I can guarantee it. It's not going to happen. They've got a rookie head coach, Nick Siriani, who straight up appears to be a doofus. I don't know. I, I just have no confidence he's the right guy. They fired a coach, Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl, and then brought in this guy who seems like a puppet for the owner, let alone you look at the roster, all the problems there. I, I do love the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. He's awesome. He's overcome a ton of adversity during his career. But I don't think that even Jalen Hurts can overcome the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And so for that reason, the Eagles are not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Team number five, the Detroit Lions are not winning a Super Bowl in February. I, I, I do have to say, hey, something positive. Dan Campbell, their head coach, is growing on me. I like him. I like their offensive coordinator. But even if Dan Campbell does well, the new head coach in Detroit, it's going to take a while to turn things around. I mean, years even, maybe four years from now, we'll go, hey, Dan Campbell did a good job. The Lions are good now. But right now, it's, they're square one. Not to mention that the Lions downgraded at quarterback. They got rid of Matthew Stafford and replaced him with Jared Goff. And let me tell you, if Matthew Stafford could not win big in Detroit, there, there's no way that Jared Goff is going to make that happen. But again, hey, something positive. Even though the Lions have no shot at winning a Super Bowl this year, I do like their coaching staff. I want to say something positive when I can. Team number six, the Cincinnati Bengals will not win a Super Bowl at the end of this year. I love Joe Burrow, their quarterback. Uh, He's coming off of a knee injury, but I I hope he's going to make a good return. I'm rooting for him. They drafted a stud receiver, Jamar Chase. He'll be really fun to watch. And that's kind of the theme of the Bengals this year. They're a team that's going to be really, really fun to watch However, that's it. They're not a team that's gonna be good. They're a team that's gonna be interesting. They'll score a lot of points, they'll make games fun. They probably don't win those games. I mean they're gonna I think lose a lot of shootouts where they lose like 54 to 39 or you know 28 to 21 or you know 37 to 35. I mean, I think it's gonna be fun to watch Cincinnati. I do. But they're not gonna win a lot of games. In fact, some people are even suggesting that. Their head coach, Zach Taylor, who spells his name the same way as mine Z A C. People are suggesting he could get fired at the end of the year. They're already looking ahead to what's going to happen when the Bengals have a bad year. And these are Bengals fans. So the Bengals have no shot. They're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Now, if I was mean, team number seven would be the Dallas Cowboys because it's always fun to stir the pot and make them angry. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I can't guarantee they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I don't, I, mean, I like Dak. Who knows? We'll see. But a team I can guarantee, team number seven, that is not going to win the Super Bowl, I can guarantee it, is the Houston Texans. Now, they're not going to win this year, and they're not going to win anytime soon. The Houston Texans are, I believe, should be the favorite to have the worst record in the NFL. And one example of how bad they are, they fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien, last year, and they could not find a replacement. They, they looked, did a job search. They couldn't find anybody. Nobody wanted the job. And part of that was because they've got a terrible owner. Part of that is because they've got a quarterback situation with Deshaun Watson, a big legal battle that no one really knows how it's going to play out. And in the end, the Houston Texans had to hire a guy named David Cully, who I believe, now I'm going off of memory. This is totally not in my script. This is totally not in my notes. I believe he was the Baltimore Ravens passing game coordinator, a team that is known for how well they run the football, which is kind of weird to hire that team's passing game coordinator. Uh, David Cully was a guy no one had ever heard of. There were a lot of job availabilities this offseason. People are like, oh, this team needs a a coach. That team needs a coach. Philadelphia, Detroit, New York Jets. Nobody ever heard the name David Cully come up at all until out of the blue, the Houston Texans hired him. No offense to him but he wasn't a top candidate at all. And when you look at, they've got a coach who no one's ever heard of that I don't believe in. They've got all kinds of problems at the quarterback position, terrible ownership, a terrible roster, problems galore. The Houston Texans have no shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. And again, for years to come. So those are the seven NFL teams I can guarantee will not win a Super Bowl in February 2022. The Jets, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Jaguars, the Houston Texans, Carolina, the Eagles, a fun one. Like, hey, Eagles fans, you want to fight? And then the Detroit Lions will also not win a Super Bowl. Now, there's, there's more, um, but I, I don't, I don't want to go into it. And I really, I feel like I've taken enough cheap shots at the bottom half of the NFL. So uh, again, write in, let me know. Are there other teams you feel like you can guarantee will not win a Super Bowl this year? Let me know, right in. And uh, that is my entire topic for now. So let's take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about five quarterbacks that have limitations. And then we will talk about why the 49ers did the right thing. I've been teasing it for a while. I will tell you what that means in just a moment. All right. We are back. Hope you are doing very, very well. I, uh, I got to say, man, I'm living my best life. I'm so happy here. I put on my Instagram story that I swim literally every single day here. And that's true. I, uh, I, <sighs> I'm just happy, man. The apartment is really coming together. Probably. This is the first day actually uh the entire time I've lived here in Hawaii that we haven't done any work on the apartment. We're not setting anything up. It's all good. It's just it's kind of we're done. I mean, I think throughout the next couple months we'll add a, a couple little things here and there, maybe lights outside, maybe I probably a love seat over there for Liz to sit in while we record things like that, but for the most part, man, um we're done. And it, it's like oh, I'm so relieved. I'm so happy. And I can't say thank you enough to the people who support the show uh, for making it possible for me to live here. I just, I'm, I'm really, really happy. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, let's jump in. There are five quarterbacks in the NFL that have problematic limitations. Now, these are not people that I hate. In fact, Kirk Cousins is a guy I'm a big fan of. I think him as a human being uh, seems like a, a likable person. And I don't have anything against these people personally. But if one of these five guys were the starting quarterback for a team I was rooting for and a fan of, then I'd be concerned. Now, thank goodness I do not have a favorite team in the NFL. I am unburdened of that. But 49ers fans know what I mean when I say that the first quarterback I want to talk about on my list of quarterbacks with limitations is Jimmy Garoppolo. And there is a reason why the 49ers drafted at quarterback Trey Lance number three overall. And it wasn't because Jimmy Garoppolo was so amazing they couldn't help but replace him. No, it's because of injuries and because of average and even sometimes bad play at the quarterback position that the 49ers agreed with me and said, hey, we got to find some kind of replacement to Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy G has limitations. He's got an average arm, he's hurt too often, and his decision-making isn't good enough to overrule the fact that he's got an average arm and often isn't available so he's a fine quarterback uh i think he's going to be good for a couple weeks starting here in this 2021 nfl season the 49ers trust him he's reliable he's a veteran i'm sure he's great in the huddle calling plays that kind of stuff command stuff and he's certainly we've seen him win games in the past jimmy garoppolo is certainly good enough to win a couple games in the nfl But he's never going to be a top-five quarterback in the NFL. There's a problem. He's just got limitations. And because of his limitations, that is why the 49ers decided to move on. Now, number two is Andy Dalton. He's the Bears' current starting quarterback. Uh, And I think, by the way, that's probably the right choice. Rookie quarterback Justin Fields isn't ready. And uh, remember, the Bears play the Rams' defense week one. And the Rams might be the best defense in the entire NFL. I would not want a rookie quarterback who doesn't look quite ready in the preseason to play week one against that defense. That sounds like a terrible idea. But I ask you, what is the best trait that Andy Dalton has to offer? I don't know. I'm still, I'm literally still waiting. I I don't know the answer. I I guess I'm waiting for the birds outside to tweet an answer at me. Um, He's average at everything. Andy Dalton has an average arm. He's an average decision maker. He can't run around and make plays. He's limited mobility-wise. He seems like a nice person. Maybe that's his trait that I like the most about him. But As a quarterback, he's just very fine. He's a limited quarterback, and that is why he is on this list. Quarterback number three, from the current Bears quarterback to the former Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, he's a guy who I have been too hard on in the past. Mitchell Trubisky is not useless at all. He's a good backup. I think he's a guy that hey, if Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen gets hurt for a couple weeks during the season this year, they're they're solid. They got a guy who's won games, who can play quarterback for them for a game or two. Perfect. But Mitchell Trubisky is limited. He's not a franchise quarterback. And that's why the Bears got rid of him. He just doesn't have a lot of potential. He can run around a little bit. He can extend plays. That's certainly the best thing he has to offer as a quarterback. But his accuracy, his arm strength, they're both below average. His ability to read defenses and pull the trigger on stuff downfield, we saw that over and over again in Chicago, was problematic. And Trubisky is a really solid backup. I think that's exactly where he should be in the NFL. But he's limited, and he's not the kind of guy I would build my franchise around. Quarterback number four is Maybelline. Maybelline. Mabley, ooh, maybe it's Maybelline. Um, quarterback number four maybe is the most talented quarterback on this entire list. That's Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, no, there is a reason why the Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, the quarterback out of Texas A&M. But here's what's different about Kirk Cousins is he's very accurate. I've seen him make good plays. He's got a good arm. He often makes good decisions, but here's the problem. Here's where Kirk Cousins' limiting factor is, I think, very unique across the NFL. You hear all the time, you hear people use the phrase, he can't win the big game. And they, people say that about Matthew Stafford. They say that about Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins. Like, you hear that Tony Romo, Carson Palmer. We've heard that about so many quarterbacks throughout their entire career. And... Yes, that phrase is wildly overused, but with Kirk Cousins, I think the phrase can't win the big game might actually be true. He might be the only person that's ever been accurately said about where he's a guy legitimately who I think cannot handle the pressure and the stress of a big moment. He gets nervous, and you can see it pent up inside of him. He's got all kinds of nervous energy leaking out of him. Like the word poise is not the first word I would think about when I think about Kirk Cousins. And in fact, (laughs) this is not, I I didn't prepare this, but look at his Monday night football record. Somebody can look it up. It's not good. That's another example indirectly of how he doesn't handle big moments very well. And so I I genuinely believe that Kirk Cousins gets in his own way with his nerves, with his stress, with his, I, I think it really truly is anxiousness. And if he can ever get over that, He'd be a massively better quarterback. But for now, he's the guy who gets in his own way. And that literally, I think, himself limits himself from getting to his own potential. And in in big moments, go watch Kirk Cousins. He makes weird, boneheaded mistakes that he doesn't, for like three quarters, doesn't make those mistakes. Fourth quarter, tight moment, he he gets stressed out, I think. He'll throw like a terrible pick six, and you're like, where did that come from? Oh, it's because the moment, he can't handle it very well. So I'm not picking on the guy. I I don't know how else to describe it. Kirk Cousins' nervousness limits him, and I I literally think he may not be capable of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't – maybe I should have put them on on a list of teams I think have no shot at winning a Super Bowl. I think it's a little bit harsh, but we haven't seen Kirk Cousins elevate his play or handle a tense moment at all. And look, even back to college, the the highlight of his career basically was he beat Wisconsin – uh, with a last second touchdown, but how did Kirk Cousins do it? Was it with a well orchestrated drive down the field with 30 seconds left, making up? And no, the way Kirk Cousins beat Wisconsin and Russell Wilson in college was he launched a Hail Mary deep downfield. I hurt my hand, by the way. I already heard that. He launched a Hail Mary. They caught it, got over the goal line, scored a touchdown. I, I, I can't, other than that moment, I can't think of any moment where Kirk has made the game defining play at the end of a, 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 the final moment to win a game. I can't think of any moments like that. And I think Kirk's anxiousness literally limits him from winning and being a better quarterback. Quarterback number five, who is limited. This is the one I I am most scared about putting on this list. Just being honest. Uh, Two reasons. Number one, he's still pretty young. I mean, it's early in his career to make a, a grand statement. Like it's like maybe this, I think is his final year to really prove what he is. And if he doesn't do well this year, it's time to move on. Uh, the second reason why, and by the way, I'm rooting for him to prove me wrong. I want I want this young quarterback to show me that he's phenomenal, and I, I want to believe in him, but right now I don't. The second reason why I'm a little bit nervous is because of the Giants fan base. They are insane, and I love them. They're a crazy, passionate bunch of people. I wish every fan base was as passionate as New York Giants fans, uh, which I, I think tips off my hat that I'm talking about the Giants quarterback, quarterback number five, is Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is fine, but no one wants a quarterback who is just fine. And my question is, would you rather have Josh Allen, the quarterback in Buffalo, upstate New York, or would you rather have Daniel Jones as your quarterback? I think everyone agrees. Any fan in the NFL would say, I'd rather have Josh Allen than Daniel Jones, easily. And that says a lot. And then how many other quarterbacks would you rather have before you finally pick Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, probably Dak Prescott, maybe even Jalen Hurts. I mean, Daniel Jones is like 25th, 26th, 27th best in the NFL. There's a lot of people I would pick to be my starting quarterback before I got to Daniel Jones. I mean, I'd literally pick Gardner Minshew over Daniel Jones, and Gardner Minshew's a backup quarterback. So I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but Daniel Jones has done nothing in two years to prove to me and and nothing to give me a lot of confidence in him. He's a quarterback who I I think his best ability, literally the best plays I've seen Daniel Jones make in the last couple of years has been his running ability, running the football. And if you're a quarterback who the best thing you do is run the football. I'm like, unless you're running like Lamar Jackson, which Daniel Jones is not, that's a, a problem to me. And Daniel Jones is a limited quarterback. So those are my five quarterbacks who are limited. Uh, You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, Mitchell Trubisky, Daniel Jones, and number four was Kirk Cousins. So uh, yeah, those are my five quarterbacks who I think have limitations and are, are very problematic as starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, let's shift to, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo briefly. Now, it recently came to light that when Matthew Stafford approached the Lions about a trade. Apparently, the top three teams that Matthew Stafford wanted to go to were the Rams, the 49ers, and the Indianapolis Colts. So the question is, I think, to me, you know, it makes sense why the Colts didn't trade for Matthew Stafford. They wanted Carson, uh, they wanted Carson Wentz. Uh, he had a great relationship with Frank Reich. So, okay, that made sense. It made sense why the, the Detroit Lions would rather send... Matthew Stafford to the Rams because they had Jared Goff. And well, hey, Jared Goff, maybe you can salvage his career. I don't think you can with Jimmy Garoppolo. But the question was, hey, should did the 49ers do the wrong thing? Should the 49ers have traded for Matthew Stafford rather than trading up in the NFL draft and going to get Trey Lance? Remember, they drafted Trey Lance number three overall. So no, I don't think they did the wrong thing. And here is why, in my opinion, the 49ers did the right thing by pursuing Trey Lance rather than Matthew Stafford. The Rams and the Colts have a sense of urgency. Like if you're the, you know, Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, you're looking at your team going, we have a team that is really good, ready to win a Super Bowl right now. We don't want to waste it. We don't want to miss out. And so the Colts couldn't afford to waste time developing a young quarterback and the Rams were a similar team. It's ready to win now and didn't want to take a couple of years developing a young quarterback like Trey Lance. The difference is the Ram, uh, the 49ers, excuse me, the 49ers are in my opinion, not quite as ready to win a Super Bowl today as the Rams or the Colts quarterback aside, you know, forget the quarterback for a moment. Think about the team and the 49ers I think are better off taking their time and developing a young rookie quarterback. Uh, because I think by the time, remember, the 49ers missed their Super Bowl window. Two years ago, they went to a Super Bowl. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in that game. And I think by the time their window opens up again, Matthew Stafford, who's 33 years old, could be out of his prime. So I, I think the 49ers absolutely did the right thing by making a move, trading up for Trey Lance, rather than trading for Matthew Stafford. And, and I want to be, I want to say this on record. I want to be very, very clear. I am extremely confident in the 49ers young quarterback, Trey Lance. I think he's a home run, a massive success already. People don't realize, give him patience. It's going to take maybe a year, maybe two. But what was Patrick Mahomes in year one? He was a backup. He sat on the bench behind Alex Smith for a whole year. Give Trey Lance time. Because he's the next guy akin to Josh Allen, who maybe had some flaws early on. Bit of an accuracy, bit of some timing problems, but you're like, hey, the raw talent is there. We just need to teach this guy how to play quarterback. Trey Lance is a guy like Justin Herbert, like Josh Allen, a massive dude with a crazy ton of potential, kind of like a superhero, where like he can run, he can throw, make any throw he wants to. Give him patience because when Trey Lance is ready, in my opinion, he's going to be a monster and one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. A guy who has potential to be a top five guy. And I think the 49ers absolutely did the right thing by moving up in the draft, taking Trey Lance and saying, hey, we got Jimmy Garoppolo for now. Let's be patient. Let's allow this guy to develop. But Trey Lance is the future, not only of the 49ers. I think he's the future of maybe the NFL. I mean, I I like Kyler Murray a lot. I I, I think Justin Herbert, Trey Lance, and Josh Allen are the three best young quarterbacks Who Lamar Jackson's in there, but I think... Man, what these guys can do, unbelievable. I've utmost confidence in Trey Lance, and the 49ers absolutely did the right thing by moving up in the draft and going to get him. All right, guys, uh, we're 44 minutes in. That's probably going to be 38 minutes on my recording. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach. I watched uh, Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech to prepare for Ask Zach. I wasn't sure if we'd have time. Looks like we do. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will do Ask Zach. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Uh, the sun is starting to set a little bit. I lost my natural light coming off the building next to us. Um, but it's still. nonetheless, it is still time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler, You give a dollar a month, please do. You, in fact, you can give more if you want. You can give $5, $10. I'll take your money uh, happily. I need to pay rent. And every dollar you give on Patreon literally helps me pay my rent. So uh, first of all, thank you to those people out there. Now, what a dollar a month gives you access to is access to submit questions on Patreon. It's the only way to write into the show and get your question read on the show. Now, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple. I read them on the show. Uh, let's start today with Ham Man. Uh, he says, do you think the MLB isn't that popular anymore because of Gen Z and millennials rapidly decreasing attention span due to TikTok and other social media platforms? <sighs> okay, man. I've read this question like so many times, and I, I didn't read it on the last show because I was like, I, I don't know how to answer that. Because I, in fact, I feel a little bit attacked. Um, I'm not a TikTok guy very much. I, I watch TikToks. The way I, I, I enjoy TikTok is my fiance will send me like a curated list of TikToks. She's prepared. I watch like the best ones. I move on. I never scroll the For You page myself. I don't think I'm one of those people that has a crazy short attention span. Uh, like I listen to podcasts. I know some people that have no patience for that. But I don't have patience for baseball either. So that's why I'm like, huh, am I part of the problem? Am I not? I don't know. I think it's less that... I don't I don't know that I would attribute it to TikTok and social media so much as I would say that the world as a whole is just changing. I mean, I baseball's getting lapped by other A baseball game's four and a half hours. And it used to be that baseball was one of the only things on TV, and that was okay. But as... Netflix has grown. Hulu has grown. Like if you're, because really what baseball is competing for is your time watching your TV or watching a screen. And while TikTok sure bites into that, I think the real problem is Hulu and Netflix and YouTube TV and all these, this on demand stuff, you can watch whatever you want. And so people don't want to watch commercial breaks. And frankly, I don't want to watch a four hour baseball game. I love baseball. I think baseball is an amazing sport. And I I occasionally watch, I look up on YouTube, like, best at-bats. And I'm I'm okay with watching a 21-pitch at-bat when I look it up, where guy's fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch and staying alive and staying alive. Like, when I want that content, I can go find it. But when I'm not in the mood, I don't want to watch a 21-pitch at-bat. I just don't. And I I, I think the problem is there's just so much dead time during a baseball game where I'm sitting watching a long at bat, kind of bored, probably on my phone anyway, waiting for something to happen. And it's tempting to just change to something else. And so I guess to answer your question, maybe it's TikTok's fault. Maybe it's millennials fault. Maybe it's inherently baseball is just a boring sport and they need to, I don't know what you do. My favorite way to watch baseball, like there's all these Wiffle League uh, channels on YouTube. And they just cut to, it's like watching a condensed football game where you watch every moment that matters. Every strikeout, you watch the third pitch or a long at bat, they show you a long at bat or a uh, home run. Like I want to watch all the action in baseball. I love the action in baseball. I don't like watching the dead time where nothing's happening. Maybe for innings at a time. Um, I I appreciate that they happen. I think it's it's just a rock and a hard place because, and I'm rambling now, but a perfect game is crazy. Like, it's so insane that that can even happen. But I don't think I want to watch a perfect game. I hate to say that. It sounds really boring. A pitching battle, right? And as much as I can appreciate how hard that is to do, doesn't mean I want to record it and watch it. So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how to answer your question. Maybe I'm a bad baseball fan. I love the sport, uh, I think it's inherently flawed. The slowdown period. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm rambling and I, I haven't come to any conclusion. I wish I had, but I don't. Please write in. Like, let me know what you think about what I'm talking about. Cause I, I want to hear, I want to have more conversations about baseball because I, I like the sport, but I'm really having a hard time with how to consume it. Cause there's so many games every day. It's four hours to watch. It's just not consumable to me. And in a world where even me, my job is to watch sports, and I find it hard to follow. So how can someone whose job isn't to watch sports every day, who only has a set amount of time, they can watch stuff? How does that person who works from 9 to 5 every day, they get home from work, they got a couple hours, how does that person watch baseball? Do they watch baseball? I don't know. But time is limited more than ever before now. At baseball, it feels like a very bloated, massive waste of time where in four hours, you could do a lot of other stuff rather than just sit and watch a baseball game. All right. I think I exhausted that topic, but it's an interesting question and a hard one to answer for me. I I just feel like I talk in circles and I I ultimately kind of get lost. Braden writes in, he says, hey, Zach, been a while since I sent anything in. I recently started working as part of my college's equipment staff for the football team at Western Carolina, which may not be much, but it feels nice to actually contribute in some way to the team. This isn't meant to flex, Since it ties into my question, do you have any stories from your time playing football of any team personnel that wasn't a coach or executive that had an impact on your time on that team or at a school slash program? If so, I'd love to hear about it as we don't really hear stories like that much. Thank you and go cats. By the way, Braden, that's awesome. Very cool. You're part of the equipment staff. That's really, really cool. A couple things come to mind. I want to give a shout out to a guy named... Uh, Ryan Berg, he was a coach technically, but he was already, he was, we, when I played college football at my final college, he was younger than me coaching. And while he was not equipment staff, while he was a coach, I just, he was so kind to me and we spent so much time watching film together and he blurred that line between coach and he was also a student at the school. And I... We had a great relationship, and he, he meant a lot to me. I really liked him, and I, I always will fondly think of him. Uh, I think of the people. People brought us water throughout every phase of my career playing football. Were like the best people ever. You were so nice to them because they brought you the goods, man. Uh, they had Gatorade bottles, kind of like this one. They would squirt water in your mouth, or give you one to squirt in your you know, water in your own mouth. And I, those people were awesome. Um, there was a guy named Matt. Who I used to warm up with every day, who was not a coach, not a player, was just an equipment guy. Who, but he he was happy to catch my throws, and we would warm up every morning. Um, I I can't think of a lot, but I think like those are the people who have less incentive to be there. The equipment people, they're there because they love football, and so it's important. Like actually, one way to know, like I I would even ask if I was someone, I'd say how did if I were like recruiting people, I'd say how does he treat the non-football personnel, the guy bringing him water, the equipment manager. How, how does a player treat that kind of person? Because that'll say a lot about who they are as a human being is how they treat the people that they're not necessarily inclined to help because or treat well because they're going to help them regardless. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you guys do an important job because uh, you, you, uh, you make our lives easier as football players. And so, um, Braden, I, I don't know if that answers your question in a way you like, but I... Be as kind as you can. I I promise you players are busy. They're probably not even aware if they're treating you badly. They're not aware. They are. A lot of people are busy and tired and exhausted. And uh, I hope you know that if anyone ever treats you poorly, they might, they might be truly just like a jerk, but they also might be someone who's just tired and focused on the game and stressed about their position. And I don't know. So Braden, you're doing good work and uh, it's much appreciated by me at least. And I'm sure people around you will appreciate it too. Uh, Rita writes in. Says, hey, Zach, hope the move went well. I know that moving can be extremely stressful, but it's definitely worth it in the end. A while back, you mentioned The Bachelor. I don't know if you watched the latest season of The Bachelor, right? I did. Every single episode, phenomenal show, love this question. She says, but one of the contestants on the show, Andrew, plays football for the Vienna Vikings in Austria. Andrew Spencer is his name. I was listening to a podcast that recaps the show's episodes and the guest on the podcast said something along the lines of, if he was a good football player, he wouldn't be playing in Europe. And it was very clear that individual consider individuals consider it's very clear that the individual considers Andrew as serious, a real player because he played, I don't know. I don't, grammar's hard here. I think she's saying that guy didn't consider Andrew as a serious football player because he plays in Europe. She says, considering the fact that you have interviewed coaches who work in Europe on your podcast I was curious if you had any thoughts on the mindset some people have of thinking less of football players in Europe. So yeah. um, Rita, great question. I I thought this too, In fact, I watching with my fiance was because Katie, uh, I think Katie Thurston is her name. Katie, the, the bachelorette who was dating Andrew at the time on the show was talking about how, Oh, I'll move to Austria if I need to for our relationship. And I was like, I was like, is she insane? She clearly doesn't know how much money he makes. And, and I, I thought, this dude makes peanuts, right? I'm like, this guy makes no money. And I looked it up. And first of all, Andrew Spencer is a star for the Vienna Vikings. What, and that's point number one. Number two, people make real legit money in the Austrian Football League. I had no idea. Like, the top people in that league make 1.9 million euros and i was like or i guess pounds pounds in austria i don't know how your money works i don't know europe at all but i looked it up i'm like whatever that little symbol is i looked it up it stands for pounds people are making 1.9 million pounds and i was like oh i didn't know that money even existed in that league and while the average person in that league doesn't make a ton of money andrew is a running back he's considered a star for that football team and so I would, I would think he's making upwards of maybe even 100,000 pounds a year or maybe far more. Uh, I don't think he's making less than that. And so when I learned that, oh, people make real money in this league, I went, okay, so maybe, like if he's making 300,000 pounds a year, which I think is not that far off from dollars, you go, well, he's got a legit job. And so it makes sense why she would be like, I'm willing to go to Austria and live half the time in Bellevue uh, where or she lives in she lives in Renton, actually. My mom was born in Renton, formerly Newcastle, now Renton. So Katie would say, well, it makes sense if I'm going to do my job in Renton half the time and half the year we're in Austria, where you make bucket loads of money, not as much as an NFL player, but certainly much more money than I make or certainly much more money than most people in American society make. And so, yeah, I, I didn't realize how good of a job opportunity that really was, but you can apparently make some pretty good money in Austria, if you're a star. And I had no idea. I just didn't know. And so, Rita, great question. I thought that too during the show. I was like, "Why would he doesn't make any money there. And then I was like, oh, but maybe he does. So, if the top people in that league are making 1.9, he's a guy who is considered a star. He's probably making more than the minimum. And he could be making upwards of 300,000 pounds a year. That's a good income source. And so, I yeah, I just I, I didn't know what to make of that, and I was wrong when I found out. I was just surprised. Joshua Wrightson says, "Were you able to catch Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech? Uh, I did. I watched it today uh, on YouTube, 11 minutes. Um, I want to say it was heartfelt. and Peyton Manning was one of my favorite players as a kid. Now, the speech itself, it was much more like a presentation. He was showing pictures and he was very, very, very scripted. Uh, I think he talked a little bit quickly, but he also was on a time constraint. He made jokes about it. It's forgivable. He did a great job. Like, he legitimately did a fantastic job presenting um, his Hall of Fame speech. He thanked everyone he could. His dad introduced him. He got choked up talking about his dad, talking about his brothers. Uh, He talked about the future of the game. He made fun of Ray Lewis. He thanked Tom Brady for being there, which is crazy cool that Tom Brady was there. The respect he has for Peyton Manning is very, very clear. I thought the only there was one cringy part of the whole thing where he told a long story about a dream he had and he detailed moment after moment after moment of I threw to this guy and that guy and while I was a bit kind of honestly like are we still we're still talking about the ball going to you know Steve Largent and you know Otto Graham or whatever whatever the names I can't remember the names even anymore now. Uh, who's the guy that got his, his pinky torn off during a game, whatever that guy saying, played for the 49ers, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie? Better be that better be right. Anyway. But the point of that story, though, was Peyton Manning was trying to convey these amazing players that are in the Hall of Fame Barry Sanders, Steve Largent, John L. L., like player after player after player, Jerry Rice, and how amazing it was that he was now with those guys in Canton in the Hall of Fame. So to me, Peyton Manning's speech exuded respect for the game, for the honor for. Um, I, I just really appreciated it. I was like, man, this guy, it means a lot to him to be put into the Hall of Fame. And he fought hard for that. And so, and now very Peyton Manning-esque fashion. He was very well prepared. It was a good speech. And uh, I just, my last thought as I was watching it, he actually made me choke up a little bit when he talked about his brothers. My brother died a couple of years ago. And my little brother now, the one I have left, means so much to me. Um, that was a, a key moment for me in the speech. But my, my favorite thought as I was watching Peyton Manning talk and give his Hall of Fame speech was just that I feel really lucky to have gotten to watch him play during his NFL career. I think anybody born in the last couple of years is never going to get to watch him play. Like, there are people who have, will grow up and will have never gotten to see Peyton Manning play down to football in their, in their life, and, and that, that's sad. And, and you can always go back and rewatch it, but it's not the same it's not, I could go back and watch Joe Montana, but it's just not the same as watching when it actually happened, following in the media, knowing what that moment meant, not knowing the true ending. It's, it's just not the same as being there in that moment, in the present, on Twitter, watching the newspaper, watching with your dad as a kid. I mean, I'm so grateful. I got to watch Peyton Manning and Tom Brady play against each other as a child. I mean, I just like so fortunate and lucky. And, uh, we were also lucky to get Peyton Manning. I mean, he's kind of the beloved son of football. I mean, he just, I, I think he, I even saw a lot of stuff on Twitter, like, oh, he could be the former or the future uh, NFL commissioner, and I, I totally could see that happening. Like, he wants a role in football somewhere, and I hope to see Peyton Manning doing something once his career is over, involved with football. I guess his career is over, but uh, I, I, don't know, I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just rambling happily about Peyton Manning. Uh, Like he's doing Monday Night Football, like an alternate broadcast. That's awesome. But I could see Peyton Manning working, doing more than just telling stories and broadcasting. In fact, I would love to see Peyton Manning doing some kind of leadership role or uh, executive work in the game in the front office somewhere for some football team or being the commissioner after Roger Goodell, something like that. Um, But what's crazy about Peyton Manning is I don't think anybody hates him. I truly do. People hate Peyton Manning, or sorry. <laughs> People hate Tom Brady, but I, I think nobody hates Peyton Manning. Like, I, I can't think of anybody. Part of that's because he didn't win as much as Tom Brady. But he has this persona, this likability that is just uncanny and really, really impressive. Okay, final question of the day is Connor. He says, Hey, Zach, have you watched any of Malik Willis? He plays for Liberty, and he's so fun to watch. Connor. Great question. I love that you brought this up. Malik Willis is the next Josh Allen, the next Trey Lance, the next Justin Herbert. He's the next guy who plays at a small school like Wyoming with Josh Allen or like North Dakota State for Trey Lance, who he plays at a small school Liberty, but Malik Willis is a stud, huge arm, can run, has a great personality. He's a guy who may not be the number one quarterback picked, Next NFL draft. Probably Sam Howell, the quarterback from UNC, will get picked. But, man, I'll be damned if somebody doesn't move up and go get Malik Willis because he has that physical ability where you go, I just got to teach this kid how to play football a little bit. And by the way, he already he doesn't need much coaching because he already plays at a high level. So when we talk about potential, and, and I used to be a guy who hated potential. That That word was stupid and annoying because we saw so many – Jamarcus Russell failed. What's what's that guy from Notre Dame a couple years ago? Uh, Deshaun Kaiser. All the potential in the world. He failed. But recently we've seen that you can work with a quarterback and a guy with a lot of potential who might have some rough edges and might not be perfect coming out of college. You can still coach him up and teach him how to play the game at a higher level. And Malik Willis is a guy. I don't know who's going to go get him hopefully it's not a team that is really really good but it I, I, I maybe that'll be fun i don't know maybe maybe that's i take that mac maybe that would be cool to see malik willis go to a an organization that is ready to win now um i'm trying to think who needs a quarterback he's probably not going to get one pittsburgh would be amazing malik willis in pittsburgh <laughs> oh man that, that's a fun thought malik willis pittsburgh steelers quarterback I don't know, man. Who who else needs a quarterback? I don't know, but Malik Willis is a guy that I think he's the quarterback I'm most excited about for the upcoming NFL draft. Because I think similar to Trey Lance, similar to Josh Allen, similar to Justin Herbert, he's a guy who may not be perfect in college, but you can teach him how to play. And when you do, he's going to be a freak of nature and maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think I've said my piece, but I, I really feel confident in Malik Willis. I'd put his name on your radar. And uh, come draft season, we will talk about him. Hopefully, I'll have access to film because film has been really frustrating and hard to get a hold of recently. Anyway, uh, pay attention to Malik Willis during this football season. My name is Zach Schaumler. I love you. I appreciate you. hope you have a great day. And uh, I'm already done with the next episode, pretty much. I got like two more topics to finish, but expect a lot more very soon. Hope you have a great day. bum bam, we are done.